0: Your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. Break the world, break, break down the, walls. Break down the, the, world, the
1: world break. I can't stand people who think that James Harrison is a first ballot Hall of Famer or an automatic Hall of Famer. People who overestimate Harrison's career. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is rarefied air it's holy ground or at least it should be consider the case of another ex-stealer alan fanica fanica has been a finalist for the hall of fame in each of his three years of eligibility and fanica has not made it fanica made first team all pro six times harrison only made it twice fanica made the nfl's all decade team for the 2000s, first team. Harrison did not. Not first team and not second team. Faneke might be the best guard in the history of football. No one has ever called Harrison even one of the best linebackers of all time. So if Faneke has trouble getting into the hall, how the heck is Harrison an automatic pick to some of you? The reality is, Harrison ain't really that close. Ain't never gonna get there. He's not only not plumb, he's not even pert near. So, hey, all you James Harrison marks and suckers, he's not gonna make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But you know what you get to make? You just made the list! The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing, count on a name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning needs. A couple people are saying, well, Kevin Green made the Hall of Fame. James Harrison is the Steelers' all-time leader in sacks. So if Kevin Green made the Hall of Fame, James Harrison should make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, except Kevin Green played for a bunch of other teams and doubled Harrison's sacks on his career. 160 to 84.5. That is indeed a sizable difference. Here's an interesting question. Who was a better player, Kevin Green or James Harrison? That's very close to my mind. But I don't think Kevin Green should be in the Hall of Fame. Kevin Green's one of those guys... up. Somebody brought up earlier, a caller, that guys now will make the Hall of Fame based on one great season statistically, or one great game, or even one great play, because Harrison with the 100-yard interception return in Super Bowl forty-three, that's his Hall of Fame moment. Whether it gets him in the Hall of Fame, well, I don't think it should, but that's his Hall of Fame moment. People will remember that play forever. Although, like I said earlier, if you want to say it's the best play in Steeler history, you're flat out wrong, because that was the immaculate reception by Franco, which launched their dynasty. If you want to say it's the greatest play in Super Bowl history, doesn't that depend on what team you support? Pretty subjective, I would say. I said before, Elway's helicopter run to move the sticks on third and six, the first time he won a Super Bowl. David Tyree's catch against his helmet. When the Giants upset undefeated New England in that Super Bowl, I think it's tough to say the greatest about a play, or for that matter, a player or a season or a record or whatever. But Kevin Green, he made the Hall of Fame because he did one thing well, and that was rush the passer. It's all he did. You know, there would be running downs where he'd rush the passer, look like a dope. But that's all he did he did it great and he made the Hall of Fame because of it I'm just suggesting maybe you shouldn't make the Hall of Fame for one game or one season or one play or because you do one thing well your thoughts 412 four one two three 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 wxdX if we're just tuning in Patrick Hornquist will miss game four tomorrow at Philadelphia who should fill in on Sid's line who should fill in on the first And here's a question we haven't dealt with much, although it's the most basic question. How badly will the Penguins miss Patrick Hornquist? Is his absence enough to cost them the game? If Couturier doesn't play, he got hurt today at practice with the Flyers. If Couturier doesn't play, is that an even trade? Hornquist for Couturier. Here's the thing, Hornquist is, is... Now, you know what? They're both maybe equally central figures. Think about Couturier. He is their number one center. And center is a real important position. He had 31 goals. He's their best defensive center. You know what? That's probably a bigger loss for them, given the context of what they still have after he's out. The Penguins lose at Hornquist. They can get by 5-on-5. They have no one to take his place on the power play. But... If Couturier can't play and Nolan Patrick moves to first-line center, well, he's a rookie. 18 years old, 19, maybe he turned, I don't know, but uh, I don't know. Both big losses. If Hornquist is out, I hope Couturier's out. And if Hornquist wasn't, I always love uh, Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network, who's great. We have him on the show. You know, knows a lot about hockey, does the Penguin pregame, postgame, between periods. Just knows the game. But he's too nice a guy. He's too nice a guy to be watching a series like this. Because he said, he, he posted a video of the Couturier injury where Goudas tripped him and said, I hope he's okay. And I tweeted back at him, quote, hope he's okay, unquote, F off. Mets, if you're listening, F off. If you don't, if you hope he's okay, then you're not okay in my book. Let's go to Scott and Carrick. Scott, you're on with Double M. Scott, what's up? Uh, not much. Uh, so I went to uh, I, I liken James Harrison to uh, Greg Lloyd. I know Greg Lloyd's career was cut short a little bit by injury, rather than you know just not you know uh, James Harrison not starting you know on the field his first couple of years. But similar careers, you know, they were both. Great pass rushers. They were both scary kind of guys. They were both really good in their time, but their time wasn't very long. I think James Harrison's one of those tweeners. And I think he actually might make the Hall of Fame because, like you said, it is has become just the Hall of Very Good. Guys like Kurt Warner, who I think is the ultimate tweener, that just didn't do enough, in my opinion, but made it in without any problem. Wasn't even close not- to doing enough. Oh, I'm sorry. What's that? Wasn't even close to doing enough. No, yeah. I, mean, I, I just, agree. You know, a couple years you know what I think every Hall of Fame should do, Scott, is 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 one year, every Hall of Fame. Okay, this uh-huh. year nobody gets in. Okay, we don't put anybody in, and we're going to take 20 people out. That would be interesting. It would make the Halls of Fame a lot more credible and a lot yeah, better. You a see, lot that's, more that's exclusive. the thing. Like, like, why it irritates me when people say James Harrison's automatic. Uh, no, definitely not. I matter. don't think he comes that close. I mean, I wouldn't even ever make him a finalist. The, the the most I would give him in terms of what he accomplished is I would have him in discussion to be a finalist. You know how they have those semifinalists they announce? Yeah, maybe like that. Now, as far as Greg Lloyd goes, I thought Harrison was a better player than James than Greg Lloyd. Don't you? I think so. Yeah, but I think it's marginal. Okay, fair enough. Do you think? Uh, Who's a better player, Harrison or Kevin Green? Kevin Green. Should Kevin Green be in the Hall of Fame for only doing one thing well? I think yes, because he did it just about better than anybody else, and I think that's Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, okay, good argument. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Rick and Beaver County. Rick, hey, hard 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 M. what's up? I
0: oh, long-time listener. I have a question for How you. How exciting.
1: Do you think Joey Porter should go in the Hall of Fame before Harrison should? No. No? Why I don't not? think either one of them. I think I think Joey Porter was... Not even as good as James Harrison. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, why do you think Joey Porter should get in? Maybe that's a more interesting angle for me to take anyway.
0: Well, I saw from his rookie season through to
1: his career in Pittsburgh, he always
0: played good like like Greg Lloyd used to play. Wow, played know? good.
1: Yeah. I was wrong. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Thank you for the call. If he played good, he's a Hall of Famer. We got Phil Bork at the bottom of the hour. But let's turn the talk back to the Penguins. How bad will they miss Phil Hornquist and lineup-wise on the first line, Sid's line, and on the power play, how would you replace him? And also, go to uh, my webpage, the Mark Madden page, WXDX.com, and check out the video of Ric Flair on the Jumbotron at the New Jersey game last night and the fan at New Jersey doing a sing-along with the Nates, saying every word he says as he says it. Woo!
0: 105.9. This is Phil Kessa of the Pittsburgh Pans. You're listening to Mark Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Double M on The X, 412
1: 9939 we got Phil Bork in just a few minutes. Let's try to jam in a few calls. This is going to be a short segment. So dial now, 412-333-WXDX. Don't forget I'm a chipino restaurant cigar bar in the Strip District tomorrow night to watch the Penguins game. It's the Penguins viewing party. So stop on by, have yourself a super genius burger, and we're giving away tickets to game five of the series between the Penguins and Flyers, which will take place right here in Pittsburgh at PPG Paints Arena. Let's go to Robbie in Bethel Park. Robbie, you're on with Double M. going What's going on?
0: Hey, I was just curious. Do you think we should uh, switch up our style of play a bit now that Hornquist is going to be out?
1: No. Why? How could you do that?
0: I don't know. I was calling you for your opinion. Well,
1: how? give me an example. How would you switch up the style of play after maybe, 82 maybe. regular season games and after three playoff games? What, what are you suggesting specifically? Uh, I'm not really suggesting anything. I just wanted to hear your opinion. Terrific call. That. Thank you. No, I don't think they should switch their style of play after... Having won the last two Stanley Cups and getting 100 points this season and winning two out of the first three playoff games, I think the style they've somehow stumbled upon seems to be working pretty well. 412 333 9939 for the love of God. Let's go to this is another stupid call, uh, but I'm going to take it anyway. Ken of Bethel Park. Ken, you're on the Mark Madden show.
0: Hey, do you think if the Pens
1: win the next game that they'll let Murray rest? So you're suggesting taking out the number one goalie in a playoff series that is not yet clinched? Well, I just didn't, uh, you know, to help protect them from injury down the line. No, they won't do that. No team would do that. Not one single team, one coach, no GM, no one affiliated with hockey in the history of hockey would take out Matt Murray and play Casey DeSmith in game 5 if the penguins win game 4. Do you My know why that is? Well, well, bro, you know what? I was trying to be nice. Boy, is that me being nice? It is as stupid a question as you could possibly ask. It is beyond well, stupid.
0: season they don't play them back to back. This the isn't the regular
1: season, off. stupid. Anything else? No, you think you know it all. You like to talk. Well, to no, no, I know this. I know that nobody affiliated with any hockey team in history would take out the number one and put in the backup to rest him in the playoffs. That just wouldn't happen. There is no such thing as rest in the playoffs. So it's not a matter of me thinking I know it all. It's a matter of you flunking Hockey 101 because you're stupid. Stupid. Oh, I shouldn't have cut him off. I think he was going to call me fat. Up next. A real hockey expert. He is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. It's the old two-niner Phil Bork on
0: 105.9. This is Chris Latang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX.
1: My guest right now is a two-time Stanley Cup champ and part of the Penguins radio broadcast team. It's a pleasure to talk to the old two-niner Phil Bork. Uh, the big news today, Patrick Hornquist is going to miss game four. How did the Penguins replace Hornquist? Because I can't think of a worse guy to lose when you're playing the Flyers.
0: (laughs) When playing the Flyers, you're exactly right uh, when you put that at the end. that uh, He's a guy that just fits perfectly in that matchup uh, because he absolutely loves it. He just salivates every single shift uh, thinking about what could be. Um, He seems to be able to push a button with the Flyers and get them off their game with his – uh, ability to antagonize, uh, whether it's a goaltender, their star players, or more specifically their defensemen, they just w- want to kill them every single shift. Uh, but with that being said, how do they replace him? Well, they don't replace him, uh, but they they try to go to the next best thing. And I think as far as that line, I I, I think you and I have talked about this before, Mark. That we both really like Zach Aston Reese, but i don't I don't think this is time to boy, I hope this fits boy, I think this could fit I don't think there's there's time for that. I think you go back to Brian Rust because you know that can work you've seen it work before with Sid uh, with Rusty's uh, uh, speed and his ability to get to loose pucks and and open up space for Sid and Gensel to uh, be more of the creators on that line and and Rusty has shown in the last little while he, he does have an ability to finish, especially in the playoffs where the bigger the game, the better he plays. Uh, But on the power play, I think maybe that's where Zach Aston Reese maybe gets his fill right there uh, because he is a a big body in front of the net. I think he knows how to play that position. He he hasn't shown he can finish at the NHL level, but I I think if you give him more of an opportunity, you might see it there.
1: Well, let's stay with uh, the power play for a second because I'm in total agreement. I would use Aston Reese on the number one power play. Uh, If today's practice is an indication they're going to go with Jake Gensel, and I love Gensel as a player. I love him on the power play. I just don't love him in front of the net on the power play.
0: Yeah, that first unit, I, I, you know, it's it's two things. Everybody talks about Patrick Hornquist and his ability the, the you know the net front presence, and that's such a catchphrase nowadays in hockey. And, and yeah, it's you know he's he's great at setting up in front and and taking the eyeballs away from the goaltender and. I think he has shown also an ability to get a feel for when to get out from in front of the net because sometimes you can be in too close to a goaltender where sometimes you lose some opportunities, but Hornies had the ability to kind of bump out into a soft spot in the slot and get some shots away uh, and score goals that way. But where I find his um, importance, Mark, on the power play as much as in front of the net is his ability to get to loose pucks, whether it's on face-offs or or to create second and third opportunities and kind of hit the refresh, reload button. Uh, He's one of the best at the league of understanding his role. And I think if Zach Aston Reese is on that number one unit, I think you need to deliver that message to him that not only do we need you in front to screen and deflect and, and rebounds and all that, but we need you to get to loose pucks so that we have those second and third chances. Now you mentioned Brian
1: Rust is the guy you'd like to see play with Sid, but if practice today's any indication it's going to be Dominic Simone. Do you think Sullivan will stick with Simone? Simone played decent with Sid when they were on the same line briefly earlier in the year. I got to be honest, though, it's a bit of a reach for me.
0: Uh, likewise, it is for me also. Uh, I I I know that I've talked to Mark Recky about this, that they really like Dominic Simone. They, they see something there, and that's I mean, that's encouraging because you know you, you're going to need them down the road here if you want to get to the promised land, and so you've got to fit them in there somewhere. But um, I, I just don't see the fit with Sid. And, again, I, I just don't think we're in a position to kind of cross your fingers and go, boy, I, I kind of see it there. I hope it's there. Uh, I I don't know where his And the thing with Sully, as you know, Mark, whatever line starts the game doesn't mean that's the same line that's going to finish the game. Yeah, absolutely. And to stay with that, I've rarely
1: seen a coach with Mike Sullivan's acumen for knowing exactly when to pull the trigger on switching lines during a game and what that switch should be. Do you enjoy it as much as I do? Yeah, it just, every time he does it, I'm like, okay, that that, that makes sense to me. And very rarely do I disagree, whereas, not to name names, but with past coaches, there would be times a switch should be made either too early or too late. It would be the wrong switch, and I'd be like, God, oh, no, not that.
0: No, and you know, Mike and I talk up in the booth during uh, broadcast timeouts. We're like, boy, that's, he just has a feel. He just has this, this feel for his players on who's going, who's not going. It seems seamless with the players when he flips the lines around, and, and when you're up there watching, you, can, you get a feel for it also. You're like, okay, I see what Sully sees now, that this guy's not going, but this guy is going, and he doesn't hesitate. He, he he's loyal, but not loyal to a fault with his players. And I think they respect him enough where they understand wh- where he's coming from. Uh, and it's not always a verbal message. Sometimes it's, you know, you're just not pl- missing a shift or you're missing uh, a couple shifts, and that's enough of a message for these guys. But also when you get moved from the Sid line uh, or moved from the, say, Shahan line up to the Sid line, it's, it's, a, it's a nonverbal vote of confidence, which I think the whole bench understands. We're talking to Phil
1: Bork, the old 2-diner. He's brought to you by Coors Light and by Armstrong. One wire, infinite possibilities. Uh, How big was Matt Murray in the first 10 minutes in game three Sunday, Borky? After that, it was mostly Sid, and the team took over in general. But Matt Murray, boy, he really gave the Penguins a chance in that game, didn't he?
0: Mark, the feeling in the arena in Philadelphia the other night, in that first five or eight minutes or ten minutes, whatever it was, when they had all that pressure and all those chances – and then when Sid scored, it was unbelievable the way that the texture of that arena changed. When they were ready to blow the roof off the building and Murray makes the saves and then Sid scores the goal, of all guys, it's one thing to go up one nothing, right? It's one thing to go up one nothing in a playoff game in that building against that team. But when it's that guy that scores the goal after those saves by Matt Murray, man, you have no idea the grin that I had. Like the butcher's dog,
1: Murray is nine and one in playoff games after a loss. How does he do that, Borky? What
0: enables Murray to be so resilient when the team needs it most? Mental toughness, uh, in control of his emotions, uh, is able to dial in a, a certain focus. Uh, take his whatever it is, his frustrations or whatever um, energy that may be worked against him in the in the game before. He's able to turn it 180 degrees. It's remarkable. It really is. And you can just see it in his body language. And I can only imagine sitting on the bench watching your goaltender kind of dial in like that. It's, it's a wave of confidence that goes throughout the bench. It goes right into the locker room. Um, he, he's a special goaltender to be six foot four and to have these gangly legs and these gangly arms to, to be such a, a professional. Um, not only in the mental part of the goaltending, uh, but also in the uh, in the technique and, and the way that he's able to just dial in and, and make the big saves. And at times, he makes you know the flurry-like athletic saves. You know that you go, "Whoa, where did that baby come from?" You know because he seems so composed for most times as a goaltender. But he also has this ability to kind of go outside of his comfort zone and use those long arms and long legs to make ridiculous saves.
1: Now, you mentioned Sid before, and Sid said to me once about the Flyers, uh, you hate them a lot more than I do. I I disagree. Every time he plays the Flyers, he shows uh, his contempt for them. He's won two of the games in this series, not by himself, but he's been a primary contributor. And Sid really feeds off that atmosphere in Philadelphia in particular, doesn't he?
0: Well, before I put my head on the pillow tonight, I'm going to drop to my knees next to my bed. I'm going to say a little (laughs) prayer and just pray that the Flyer faithful boo Sid tomorrow. And I hope they put his face in the urinal and the whole thing and have a good old chuckle, you know, like you're a bunch of frat boys, uh, you know, 12 year or 18-year-old frat boys, you know, think that's real funny. Stay classy, Philly, as I always say. And you think you think you hate Philly, Mark? Guess what? I hate Philly more than you do <laughs> because I lived it. I lived it, man. I watched Bobby Clark have snot bubbles coming out of his nose when the score was 9-1 to because he wanted to make it 10. I lived through that. So every time the Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Philadelphia Flyers, you have no idea how satisfying it is for me. And to watch Sid, uh, what he's doing in this series, uh, you know he has this quiet confidence. He has this quiet kind of burn inside his belly. He won't say it verbally. He'll never say it in the interview. In fact, he might not even say it uh, away from a camera or a microphone, but you know deep down inside that he loves beating the Flyers as much as you and I love watching the Penguins beat them. Where's the series go from here,
1: Borky? Uh, it's been a roller coaster so far. I really thought the Penguins established control in Game 3, but the Hornquist injury, it throws me for a loop just a little bit. Now the Flyers, and we'll talk about this in a moment, might not have Couturier as well,
0: but where's the series go now? Before I answer that, let me let me just say something to... Your listeners and to any other members of the media that might be listening, you, you, need, you need to dial in a little bit here because I'm, I'm hearing some stuff that's really disturbing to me. I, and I, I absolutely hate it when people think, oh, this is over. Oh, it's over. Oh, if we could have won in three, we should have won in three. You know, like, I think people need to dial in a little bit here and just win the next game. It's all about winning four games. Who cares if it's five games, if it's six games, or it's seven games? You just try to win four games. That's all that matters. And don't get ahead of yourself. Don't start looking ahead to anything past the Flyers tomorrow night. And I think as a as a Penguin nation, we kind of need to stay in that bubble. But where does this series go? I, I think the Penguins are, are just they're tasting it. And, and this is the way the, the playoffs go. Whether it's as a fan, whether it's somebody who worked for the Penguins, or whether you're a player, that it's it's kind of this. This slow roll of momentum and, and slow belief that you get internally that you win a game, you win two games, you try to win one series. And when you win, once you win that first series, you really get that belief factor. It starts to build like, wow, we could, we could do something special here. But you got to stay within yourself because once you start getting outside that and you start to wander a little bit about letting that what if monster creep inside, that's when you get yourself in trouble. And so where the series goes, it goes to tomorrow night, and it should stay with tomorrow night and win game number get win number three. Did you
1: see the play where Goudas took out Couturier
0: accidentally in practice? What was I
1: your did. take on it? Definitely clumsy. And how much will it hurt the Flyers if Couturier isn't available?
0: Huge. Huge. Because when you think as much as it would, it's going to hurt the Penguins to not have Patrick Conquist, it doesn't take away from their foundation, their strength, which is down the middle of the ice. But the, for the Flyers – they don't have that strength down the middle, and they really count on Couturier. The, the minutes that he's playing, Mark, are, he's well north of 25, which is crazy, absolutely crazy. So it goes to show you how much they depend on him. Now, they don't have another player that's anything, anything like him. Well, and it's worth
1: noting, Borky, too, that
0: Couturier's out there against Sid an awful lot. Exactly, Mark. So they don't have anybody... That can put, you can say the Penguins don't have another Patrick Conquest. They don't have anything close to match up with a Sid or a Geno down the middle of the ice. And you're right, 19 year old Nolan Patrick is going to have this handful if he's going to play over 25 minutes to try to match up. But where, you know, I don't know where they go if, if they don't have, and I did see the video. At first, when I first saw the video, I thought Gudis did it on purpose. I'm like, did he throw oh. a hip check out there? Because it seemed like, there was some movement there. It and looked right. like it Lunginess was avoidable, for sure. Whatever. And, like,
1: I don't know, maybe he's just in the habit of doing stuff because he's such a <laughs> dirty player.
0: And just, the, yeah, the, the way he went down, um, it, it, it didn't look good. It didn't look lo- like he was just uh, shocked or surprised or just ticked off, even though he was all that. It seemed like there was some legitimate big-time pain, that kind of pain that scares you and uh, gets that adrenaline rushing because I saw as soon as he went down, he whipped his stick against the boards like, oh, man, I can't believe my own guy hit me, and I can't believe I'm feeling this kind of pain before a playoff game. And finally,
1: Borky, I'm sure you'll be watching the Capitals and Blue Jackets tonight. Where's that series going to go, Washington and Columbus? Because I thought it would be close, and certainly two overtime games is as close as it gets, but Columbus won both of them, and it seems like Washington – emotionally and mentally, has been on the brink since the puck was dropped.
0: A bit of a train wreck there. And what I can't believe is that of all guys, of all guys, Alexander Ovetchen comes out and guarantees they're going to win both games in Columbus and that they're going to go back to Washington 2-2. Why would that guy, with the history that he has, even open your mouth? I mean, if you want to internalize that, and tell it to your teammates inside the room, that's fine. But don't come out to the media when they, you have that kind of history and the way you lost both games at home in overtime. Uh, I'm going to be glued to the set. I can't wait for that game, and uh, this will be the only time you'll ever hear me cheer for the Columbus Blue Jackets to win a hockey game. <laughs> Borky, great
1: stuff. We will see you at the rink Friday, and enjoy the game tomorrow night.
0: All right, sounds good, Double M. I enjoyed it like always, and this was good hockey talk.
1: That's Phil Bork, the old 2-9, and he's brought to you by... Armstrong, one wire, infinite possibilities, and by Coors Light. Enjoy $3 Coors Light drafts during all Penn's playoff games at Leo's Sports Page at the Quality Inn in New Kensington. Boy, that's quite a long, long read there for a sponsorship, but we love what we do with Coors Light, and I like to drink Coors Light too. Maybe you'll see me at Leo's, but not tomorrow night because I'll be at Chipino's. Time now to ask Mark anything, anything, anything. Four one two three 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 wxdx
0: This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX.
1: Time not to ask Mark anything. The 412 wxdx is brought to you by Chipino Restaurant and Cigar Bar, which is in the Strip. Let me remind you, I'll be hosting a viewing party tomorrow night at Chapino. So join me at Chapino tomorrow night in the Strip for game four of Penguins-Flyers. Let's go to Kenny and Turtle Creek. Kenny, ask Mark anything. How are you, sir? Good. I know this is unthinkable, and I know that he's a right wing, but how about
0: bringing up Phil Kessel to play with Crosby?
1: Now, has it struck you that if they were ever going to do that they would have tried it more than, like, say, for a shift or two in the three-plus years sit Phil's been here? Um, no, not really. Okay, but, uh, well, I, I can see it. A lot hasn't occurred to you, I imagine. And they have Phil with Geno right now. So why would you uh, disrupt that? Well, Kessel needs to get going, I think. No, no, he really doesn't. He played an excellent game uh, in Game 3. Had at least one assist, I remember, on the Broussard goal, which was a brilliant little five-foot pass that really opened up Broussard's shooting angle. And in terms of getting going, he finished the season with a career high in points. So when you say he needs to get going, what exactly do you mean? Well, as usual, you're right, and I'm right. I am. Goodbye. Let's go to Jeff in the car. Jeff, ask Mark anything. If there was a movie based on your life, what would the name of the movie be and who would play you? All the good fat actors are dead. John Candy, Chris Farley. I wouldn't is Louie Anderson dead? If so, I don't want him to play me necessarily. Uh who would who do you think should play me?
0: Oh uh, gosh, I don't know. Another real uh, fat
1: comedian died recently too. I forget his name, but um Oh, uh, yeah, Ralphie May. Yeah, so he's out. Oh, maybe Billy Gardell. There you go. Yeah, I'd be honored if Billy played me. He's coming back to Pittsburgh for a stand-up gig in the fall. I should be on my deathbed by then. We can negotiate uh, Billy playing me in the memorial to my life. What do you think the movie should be called? Mm. I think it should be called, I'm surprised he lived this long. Let's go to Jordan in the car, Jordan. Ask Mark anything. Uh, What are your top three flavors at Big Shot Bob's besides Big Sexy, of course? Well, that's the only flavor that matters because it's named after me. It's high-tech Buffalo Parm. What don't you understand? High octane. So that's all you go with? No, I like Steel City, which is also Buffalo Parm with a couple different things. I have a second flavor, Save Us 166, also Buffalo Parm with a couple still different things. And I like the uh, talk of Beaver Falls as well. Got it. I'll try those next time. Thanks. Please do. And please feel free to ask that question on every single episode of Ask Mark Anything, which is why this segment makes me want to puncture my septum with a drill bit. Let's go to Rob in Meadville. Rob, Ask Mark Anything.
0: Hey, when in Conneaut Lake, do you prefer the Mariner or Silver Shores restaurant?
1: I don't even know where the Mariner is. Where's the Mariner? Oh, it's on the east side on um, uh, Route 18. Is that the one that used to be the building for a miniature golf course?
0: Yes, and uh, it's
1: right by the, yeah, the Sportsman's Club. I've never been to the Mariner. Is it good?
0: Uh, it's fabulous. Uh, they have wonderful steaks there. So I was wondering if you've tried it and if it compares to I, I will next
1: time, although I'm always going to go to Silver Shores because it's right on the lake. Absolutely. Thank you for the call. See a new place to go in Conneaut Lake. I said, how good can this place be? They built it on the site of an old miniature golf course, but I guess it's pretty good. Let's go to Ray in the car. Ray, ask Mark anything.
0: Uh, Mark, hi. Have you ever um, seen that new Mike Judge show, Tales from the Tour Bus? Nope. Uh, It's very funny. It's old school country guys. Yeah,
1: goodbye. Let's go to uh, Maverick in Indianapolis or Annapolis, or some Polis, maybe Greg Polis, the late Penguins player. Maverick, what do you want?
0: Hey, Big Sexy, how are you doing? What up, man? Hey, uh, just looking at these playoffs, I'm looking at the teams, and we got eight teams that have helped the Pens win the past two Stanley Cups. Uh, six, the... Um,
1: what do you mean two, eight that have helped them win? I don't understand that. Eight uh, Eight teams that
0: have players rostered that have been part of the past two Stanley Cups. Okay, the okay.
1: so what's your point?
0: Do you think any of those teams are going to win? And if so, which one has the best chance?
1: Nashville's the best team in hockey right now, period. That it? Um, We done? Good. Thank you for the call. Nashville right now is my bet to win the cup. I said that before the playoffs started.